0: It is Friday, October 28th.
1: I'm Scott Sidman. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. Week eight
0: of the NFL kicked off last night with a Ravens win.
1: And the World Series gets underway in Houston tonight.
0: Here comes the Vegas Truth. This is straight out of Vegas. Give me a we are straight out of Vegas AM. Your daily destination for sports conversation with A Vegas Lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Baltimore Ravens 27 Tampa Bay 22. Ravens move to 5 and 3. The Brooklyn Nets falling back-to-back nights this time at home to the Dallas Mavericks.
1: And Cam rising a surprising no-show. For Utah, what is
0: the Vegas lead? We start with Thursday night football, AJ. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers looking to get off the schneid. Tom Brady staring at his first three-game losing streak since his first year as a starter. glassy eye, Which was staring 2002 in New England. And early on in this game against the Ravens, I thought, you know what? Maybe Tampa's going to pull something off here. Did you? Maybe there's something... This mojo's turning around. There's all these reports about Giselle giving Brady an ultimatum. No, no, no. This is going to be reversed. The Bucks are going to handle their business. Tom Brady's going to make everybody remember who he is. And they're finally going to pick up a win and put all the, the bad juju behind them. Leonard Fournette punches in the touchdown. It's 7-3. to three. They get the field goal. It's 10-3. to three. That was it. Then halftime happened. That was it.
1: Yeah. Then halftime happened. The Ravens made some really nice adjustments. And I was frustrated by the Ravens offense in the first half because this is a team. I I mentioned this yesterday since week three, or I guess post week three. So starting week four, the Ravens had been the number two rushing offense per Mm -hmm. DVOA. They they passed way too much in the early weeks. They finally figured it out week four. They said, you know what, we're going to go back to our roots, be a running team.
0: Ran the ball really well. And we saw what they did uh, two weeks ago with Kenyon Drake having the 119-yard yep. performance. We saw last week Gus Edwards, his first game coming back from the, uh, the, the ACL injury. He rolled off what? He had a big game, two touchdowns on the ground. And then the first half last night, the game starts off with 11 of the first
1: 13 plays or pass plays. Yeah. For the Ravens. And the offense looks terrible. The uh, Lamar's getting sacked. It th- things just aren't going well for them. They really don't go well at all in the first half. And if it weren't for a muff punt by the Bucks, the Ravens probably don't score in the first half. Mm-hmm. Halftime, I don't know if Harbaugh, what, what was said in that locker room, but whatever was said absolutely worked. They came out. They looked like a completely different team they ran the ball effectively, efficiently and really they just dominated the game from there on out. The final score's 27-22. The Bucs punch in a late touchdown the last minute of the game. Uh, or this is a this is this was a blowout game. The Ravens dominated this game. Uh, maybe I'm sour grapes here. Probably my biggest prop bet of this season so far was on Tom Brady under yardage. Mm. Somehow Tom Brady threw for 325 yards. This was one of the worst games I've
0: seen him play in a while. Uh, it's, it's been it's been all season though. Yeah, it's not just the game. It's been all season. And by the way, he goes over because he got a couple of chunk plays. He had the early the. You know when I thought you were in trouble on like the first possession or the second. It was the possession where they got the touchdown. The big Mike Evans catch? No, it was the big. It was the Godwin forty-four yarder. Okay, it was the the pass over the middle that it, it just he uh, he spun out of a tackle and ran, and it was a forty-four yard gain. And I'm like, if that's gonna happen tonight, there's no way Brady's going under.
1: Well, it was it was live to the bit till till the, the last drive yeah. basically, and uh, and then he he no, got it. But there, you're but...
0: right, this could have been a much worse score than it actually was. So we had the muff punt early on where the Ravens settle for the field goal, that could have been a touchdown. And then at the end, if the Ravens cared to stop Tampa and they didn't have a two-score lead, this, you're right, could have been a, a much bigger deficit and a much uglier-looking finish, which I'm sure when the Bucs watch this game on film, they're not going to look at and say, hey, 27-22. We we're almost there. We we're almost there. No.
1: 38 minutes of possession for the Ravens, 22 for the Bucks. like I said. Controlled the game, dominated, despite the fact that you know they had two of their their best offensive playmakers out with injury, and that's my concern for the Ravens long term. Is how do they start to fade all these injuries? Ronnie Stanley done for a while, at least for a while. uh Rashad Bateman, I can't imagine he comes back next week mm. after being out and then trying to come back and then re-injuring it. Yeah, they've got a bye week coming up. I'm guessing Rashad Bateman's out for a little while. And then Andrews being out is the big the big deal. I mean, he's it, maybe, after Travis Kelsey, the most dominant tight end in football, uh, and he exited the game with an injury. It, it, they seem, this is the last couple of years, they've seemed cursed by injuries. RJ said before, and he may, he may be on to something, maybe it's something with their strength and conditioning. Like, maybe they're just not doing something right. Could it's one thing to be to have bad injury luck. Yeah. But, like, when it's year in and year out,
0: mm-hmm. maybe it's something you're doing wrong. Well, it's also, RJ's mentioned it before as well. You know, hardball pushes them in the preseason. They have this incredible preseason uh, record where they just don't lose games. And maybe that winds up leading to injuries in the regular season because guys are, are pushing it too hard early on. I don't know. We don't know the exact science behind it. But here's what we do know. Tampa Bay is in a, a – They're in a deep hole now. And the crazy thing to think about, as Adam Schefter tweeted it out, the winner of Sunday's Falcons Panthers game is in first place, is in sole possession of first place in the NFC South. If I told you, what if I told you that the Carolina Panthers were going to be the worst team in the NFL, have their quarterback go down? Have their backup quarterback go down. Have their third string quarterback go down. And if, and after week eight of the NFL season, they'll be in sole possession of first place in the division. That could happen if Carolina beats Atlanta. Let's think about this. We're, we're nearly at
1: the halfway point. Three and five. Their next few games, Rams, Seahawks at Cleveland, Saints at Niners, Bengals. At Cardinals, Panthers, at Falcons, this to me feels like if things go right for them, mm-hmm. they're nine and eight, eight and nine. They're like right, right around that average could,
0: football team. Could still win the division. Oh, absolutely. Uh, prior to this game, Tampa was minus two thirty to win the division. What do you think they're at after this weekend's? They're probably still the favorite i mean
1: i'm I'm guessing it's probably minus one twenty could be could be close
0: to that yeah, there's three that's my guess. they're three and five, let's say Atlanta wins and they're four and four, so you got the Bucks being one game out and already having a win over Atlanta, which helps for their you know tie breaking <laughs> scenarios uh or if Carolina wins, then you have three and five, three and five. Three and five. Well, let,
1: let's ask McKenzie because he's he's in these numbers all the time, these division odds and things like that. W- when you're minus 230, you're the favorite, and you lose a game like this, what's the typical move? What would you expect Tampa to be?
2: Well, the game line was about pick them, you know, to be simple. So 50% chance you're expected to win. So your win total goes down by a half game. Uh, I'd, I'd say not that. I mean, Atlanta has to still make up a big chunk here from three to one to to minus two thirty, so I'm going to say minus one fifty will be my expectation. Okay.
1: So maybe I was a little a uh, little harsh on it, but yeah. Either way, this is a uh, this is one of the biggest surprises. I, I mean, I told my I told my wife this. My wife, uh, I, I play in a fantasy football league where she's in it, and her two quarterbacks are Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And she was like, <laughs> I don't should, mean to laugh. She was like, nice. which one Which one should wow. I play? And I said, Honey these guys you need to find a new quarterback. Yeah. You need to go dig on the waiver wire because these two guys stink. I uh, it's amazing that Russell Wilson, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are all average to below average quarterbacks after you know, I mean there's what would the what would the payout have been on that to say that all these all three of these guys finish outside the top 10 at the end of the season. It had to have been huge. But it is it's a fact tom brady
0: it looks not like himself Mm-mm. i heard teddy Bruschi well, last night well literally physically doesn't look no, like he himself cuz whatever whatever botox or whatever he's done to his face but, he looks terrible but
1: teddy Bruschi, a former teammate and usually you know former teammates outside of richard sherman who seems to have no problem throwing russell wilson under the bus <laughs> but former teammates are usually pretty kind about their their old quarterbacks and teddy bruce said he doesn't he doesn't look right he's like he's he's making mistakes that mm-hmm. he didn't make in the past and you know there was a, th- a throw last night that Mike Evans got some heat on and he was like Mike Evans did the right thing Mike Evans stopped because he he went into traffic he didn't want to give up the ball Tom Brady threw it to the wrong side of him. The, these are mistakes that Tom Brady never made before. You have to wonder how much are the outside distractions? How much is the not practicing on Wednesdays on install mm-hmm. days? Yeah. Uh, how, how much is you know being off at weddings on Friday? Like it, Tom Brady made it as far as he did because there was no one more dedicated to football than Tom Brady. I don't know that Tom Brady's full focus is on football this year, and I think you're like that certainly exposes that Tom Brady's a 45-year-old man trying to play in the NFL at a high level. Here's what Brady had to say
0: after the game about the Bucs' struggles.
1: You know, I think we've struggled pretty much at everything. You know,
2: we just struggled in the red area, struggled in third down, struggling in the run game, uh, two-point plays, um, short yardage,
1: backed up, and start first quarter, start of the third quarter. Not very good offensive football. Boy, that sounds like a defeated guy. <laughs> it does, man. It, it, well, I, at least he's not uh, doing the Aaron Rodgers like, "Hey, the rest of these guys need to figure their shit out." <laughs> I, just, uh, at least it's like, "Hey, we've we're doing we're, we're not very good right now," uh, and I think that Tom Brady understands that he's a part of that. Now, w- I, will he make I an would... adjustment? Is the question. So,
0: I think that there's so much that's that's wrong with this Bucks team, but I wonder how much. And we, I don't think anybody's really talked about it that much how much does the transition from Bruce Arians to Todd Bowles as the head coach impact this team you know would Bruce Arians as a head coach or would Bruce Arians having input into this offense would he allow this to go down the way this way here's the question here's the the reality though if Bruce
1: Arians were still the head coach Tom Brady wouldn't be the quarterback so uh, that's the uh, that's the decision that they had
0: to make in my opinion you I, think Bruce so but Bruce Arians gets a job in the front office so that Tom Brady can keep it, keep his job at the quarterback yeah yeah Tom
1: Brady wasn't going to play for
0: Bruce Arians anymore i i i don't believe that he was well then why not make Byron Leftwich the head coach You go to Todd Bowles, who did not have success with the New York Jets, who is clearly not having success now as the head coach here in Tampa. Tremendous defensive coordinator,
1: I think the idea not a good head coach, but he did he has been a head coach before, and I think the idea of saying, "All right, Tom, your head coach is a first year head coach now," like that's not that I don't think Tom Brady was looking for that either. I I think Tom Brady wanted things to be as sort of seamless as possible. Uh, He wanted to keep Leftwich around. He wanted Mm -hmm. him to be his OC. Uh, but I I don't think that there were many options as far as unless they went outside. But then you're talking about installing a new system and maybe new. Like yeah, there was just there were too many moving parts. But I, I do think that the option was either Bruce Arians continues to coach this team or Tom Brady continues to play quarterback
0: for this. There's team. only one thing that can save this Bucs season, and if that unless if it happens, I'll be in on the Bucs. If it doesn't happen, this team's dead done. Okay. Rob Gronkowski
1: that'll do it I that's don't know. the only
0: thing that'll save this bucks team i
1: don't know that it can I and mean, maybe
0: what about rob gronkowski and antonio brown
2: so <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, we
0: need to keep ab as far away from brady right now as possible he's he's selling pictures of him hugging giselle uh, but seriously if Gr- Brady missing Gronk, I think is a huge reason why this offense has not looked the same this year.
1: It could be. I, I just I think there's a lot of things wrong, but I think it starts with Brady not being as into the game as he's always been, or, or as prepared as he's yep.
0: always been. And you can say you can say nothing's changing, but I think also that has to do with Gronk. I think Gronk rejuvenated Brady. It gave might be him right. new life. And now without, you think if Gronk him, were
1: here, he wouldn't have gone to the wedding, to Bob Kraft's wedding? I think they both would have gone. Exactly. You and think they that's both good?
0: Yeah, they both would have came back, and they would have been in a good mood. Uh, I, I think. I, I think. Have seen a difference? Do you think
1: five years ago Tom Brady would have gone to Bob Kraft's wedding? No. No way. No. And I, I think that's the difference. Is Tom Brady is he he's thinking he can just roll his helmet out and be Tom Brady this year? Was Giselle at the wedding? I doubt it. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Don't
0: you think she would have been? T- t- and, let's check TMZ. And is that the reason why he went? Because his wife wanted to go to the wedding. That's Brady possible.
2: reportedly visited that wedding alone. Alone. Oh. Wow.
0: Wow. Big dick move would have been to show up with like a really hot blonde, or yeah, like a or, or like a supermodel, like a, yeah, supermodel, yeah, like a Anna de Armist or some Ooh, somebody that like that. Been good. She but... dating anybody? Wasn't she dating like Bradley Cooper or something? I don't know. I don't know. I
1: don't know. I don't know. I, I'll tell you this. If I'm her, I'm not leaving Bradley Cooper for Tom Brady right now. There was a time when I would have. Right now, Bradley Cooper stock is steady. Tom Brady is
0: crashing. This whatever is going on with the Bucks and with Brady, whew, I don't know if it's going to reverse itself anytime soon. They take on the Rams next week, and then Seahawks, who have are much improved, obviously. Yeah. Then they go on the road to Cleveland. You mentioned you ran through the schedule before. This is three straight losses now. I think they'll be a home dog next week to the Rams. Oh, by the way, did you also see the Shaq Barrett, linebacker,
1: uh yeah. Shaq Barrett, get an MRI on his Achilles yep. tomorrow. Yep. Uh and they, they think that he may have torn his Achilles. So the it's just piling up on the Bucks right now. The Bucs are lucky that they play in the worst division in football. Yes. I mean it's the it's it's still very, very winnable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, like when you look at Green Bay and their issues, it's like the Vikings keep on winning games. I don't know if the Vikings are great or not, but they keep winning football games. They're running away from the Packers. Nobody's running away with the NFC South. So if they can even become mediocre, like you, like you said earlier. Nine and eight, eight and nine might win this division. That's that's entirely possible. So uh,
0: all hope is not lost just yet. Big news in the NFL. Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase is going to miss four to six weeks because of a hip injury, and that means he's not going to be playing Monday. Against the Cleveland Browns. This was my five-star weighted play on the Dream Preview podcast. And we had a triple like on the Cincinnati Bengals. I think we have to change that now because the contest line was three and a half. That's not the line anymore. Mackenzie, where are we at with the Bengals
2: and the Browns? So the look-ahead line was Bengals favorite on the road by two and a half. Optimism all week before today was three at the World Open, was three and a half. Before the Jamar Chase news, now we're looking at three point two, halfway between three and a half and three, a little closer to three.
0: And and that move from three and a half to three is is huge,
2: AJ. Yes, it's one and a half point, one and a half ticks from three and a half to three. So pretty much one and a half points of movement. We saw two of those, two thirds of that movement onto the Bengals.
0: AJ, do you think this this gets
2: down
1: to two and a half? Uh, it wouldn't shock me. Any, any like, listen, when it gets to three a lot of money can come in on one side or the other and mm-hmm. it not move to, from three and a half to two and a half is about as big of a move as you can make in the NFL. So I, I'm not willing. I'm not fez. I don't read the market well enough to know if it's going to go to but two it, and a half, Jamar but chase, it's not going back to three and a half. I could tell you that is Jamar chase worth that much. Well, I mean, if that's, if you say he's, you know, you, you could say he's worth a full point and that doesn't mean that it goes from three and a half to two and a half, yeah. which I know sound doesn't sound like it makes sense but going through that three is such a big jump that it's it's a lot more than you're going from... like It it, it would be for like going from six to four, right? yeah. so to go from three and a half to two and a
0: half. Jamar Chase has 74 targets on the season for the Cincinnati Bengals. Second on the team is T. Higgins with 44. 30 less targets from Jamar Chase... To T. Higgins. <laughs> that's And then after that, it's Hayden Hurst, the tight end, with 39. Tyler Boyd with 38. So, chase on the season, 47 catches, 605 yards, and six touchdowns. There's going to be an adjustment here for this Bengals offense. I don't know if I can back Cincinnati now in this game. It's tough. Uh, it, I
1: think... I'm cert- I certainly wouldn't play him at three and a half now, I could tell you that, if it, if it were there. I, I think if it, two, if it does get two and a half, I'll still like the Bengals. I, I, I still think this is a, listen, T. Higgins, T- Tyler Boyd, there's still weapons for this Bengals team, uh, and I still am very anti-Browns, but it, it, it certainly wouldn't be like on my list of five
0: games yeah. like it was when we did that pod. So Cincinnati, without Jamar Chase, let's look at their schedule for the next uh, couple of weeks. So it's four to six weeks. And, and so let's just call it, you know, split the difference and call it five weeks. We'll call it five weeks. Uh, they're at the Bengals. Then they're home to Carolina. Their bye week is week 10 at Pittsburgh, at Tennessee, at Kansas City. So that would be like six weeks if, if he comes back for the Kansas City game. Let's just say he's not there for the Kansas City game. Between Cleveland, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Kansas City, what's the Bengals' record? How many games? Five I- games. I mean. And three of them are on the road. Yeah, it sounds like three and two. I think they'd be happy with three and two. I think
1: you would, yeah.
0: With the Chiefs in there, yeah, you'd be happy if you go three and two. So three and two for the Cincinnati Bengals would improve them to seven and five on the year. But we've also seen, listen, the Ravens are for real too.
1: This is a two horse race in the AFC uh, AFC North. The Steelers are a bad team. The Browns are
0: a bad team. It, I don't it, think it's a two team race. I think, well. Before the Jamar Chase injury, I would have said listen, yes. Listen, if I Jamar this, Chase is has a different – I think it's got an impact too, but this isn't like Joe Burrow getting hurt. Like yeah.
1: it, This is a – it's a wide receiver getting hurt. L- listen, the Ravens are playing without their number one wide receiver right now. It, it, I, it's, this happens over the course of a season. I, it's not the end of the world, especially because that's the one position where – the Bengals are extremely deep.
0: Yeah, you're right. T. They, Higgins God and, Ty for, and Tyler Boyd can step up.
1: God forbid a left tackle gets hurt for that team. Then they <laughs> might as well just quit. But I, I do think that it. I think it's an impactful injury, but I don't think it's the end of the world for Cincinnati by far.
0: I still think they're a playoff team. I just think that the Ravens are the best team in that division. I think the Ravens are the fourth best team in football. McKenzie put up our uh, the,
1: the grades on Jamar Chase And about a 79 PFF grade for the season. Where's that put him amongst wide receivers? Got to be pretty near the top, right? He is 14th currently in the league. And where was he last season? Ninth. Okay, so let's just say right around a top 10 wide receiver. And if you look at his weekly grades, you can see the last two games have been by far his two best games of the season. I don't think it's a coincidence that's coincided with the Bengals offense suddenly looking like the Bengals offense. And us saying the Bengals are back. Yeah, so yeah, this is a big loss, no doubt. But again, this is the one position on the field where the Bengals can fade a little bit of an, in- and it's not, it's not the end of the season for him. Uh, you know, he, he'll be back, and presumably he'll be a hundred percent, and the Bengals can can get right back into business. But so right
0: now, I'm I'm not buying in on the okay. Bengals three point favorites. Yeah. On Monday night, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of change, so especially finding out this this late in the week. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of changes. So to hold off yep. for right now. Don't disagree one bit. All right, another trade in the NFL. They're coming hot and heavy. Right, it's now. a lot. You don't usually see a lot of trades in the NFL during the season. This, like this. is with your uh, your G men. The Kansas City Chiefs trade their conditional third round pick and a sixth round pick to the Giants. For wide receiver, Kadarius Toney uh, hasn't played a lot this season, but it, you kind of expect that at some point the Giants are maybe going to get some wide receivers back, maybe have some kind of outside playmakers. Looks like Kadarius Tony wasn't part of their plan.
0: No, and, and he's been hurt, and he's also – I don't want to say that they're giving up too uh, early on him, but he's been a negative Um uh, You don't want to call a guy a malcontent, but he's had issues. And I think that this is addition by subtraction here for the New York Giants. He barely plays with his injuries. He's not happy, and they get something for him in return. I also think that this is the Giants committing to Wandell Robinson and really believing in what this rookie brings to the table. Last week alone, Against the Jaguars, Wando Robinson led the team six catches for 50 yards on eight targets. So, obviously, him and Daniel Jones have a nice chemistry going on. Derek sure. Slayton um, has has had a decent season for the Giants. So, And this is a team that just doesn't pass the ball. They are a run-first team. We've talked about that. They're like a service academy. They're like the only team in the league that doesn't have a 200-yard receiver on the season. So you look at this Giants team, and it's like, okay, well, do they really need a, another wide receiver in Kadarius Toney? Whereas the Chiefs, they felt like it was a a, a need for them. Giants, send him out and
1: get something from in return. For it's him. always a shocker, though, when a guy who's drafted in the first round, and he's a 2021 first-round draft pick, gets shipped out so soon. It, it, it's, it makes you wonder what's going on. It, either he just can't play. Or the new regime just wants nothing to do with him. I think I, I would say it's probably fifty-fifty on those. Like, there's a good possibility that
0: Kadarius Tony just can't play. Uh, and I just, think he's just yeah, maybe he's just not happy. He's not happy. He wasn't happy there. There, there were there were. But if arc. he
1: if he were in Brian Dayball's good graces, yeah. he'd be happy. I I just don't know that. I don't know that Brian Dayball sees it in him. There was, but there
0: was games where he was he just didn't see the field. And the articles being written about uh, how dejected and upset he looked on the sideline, and and how frustrated he is with his role. What happened with uh, Robbie Anderson? Right. Au revoir. See ya. Thanks for the third round pick.
1: Yeah, and that's what uh, that's what the the Giants hoping that it doesn't uh, leave a hole for them. So uh, I I think that we can just assume the Giants won't be throwing the ball again this week
0: uh, or any week going forward. (laughs) just a, a small four game slate in the NBA last night but it was highlighted by the Nets losing to the Dallas Mavericks in overtime 129-125 uh Luka Doncic 41 points 11 boards 14 assists that's I, a good stat line I believe that's called a triple double yeah that's strong uh Kyrie Irving actually had a really nice game 39 points and Mckenzie uh I don't know how much of this game that you watched but you know at the end there where it looked like Dallas was going to win this in regulation like you know Kyrie doesn't miss, <laughs> and so the game goes to overtime. But the Nets still lose, drop to one and four on the season. What was your thoughts watching this game?
2: It's funny. I had a tweet all ready to go. If the Mavericks would have lost this game, I'd be. I would have been like, i would never been more impressed with a one and three team before this Mavericks team because they've lost a couple close ones. Or would have lost to the Suns, notably to start the season. But they've they've just killed teams. I mean, you look at their net rating, even at two and two. I think after this game, this should be the best in the league. And it's all about Luka Doncic. You mentioned it. Yeah. 40 point triple double. Who cares? You know, people do that. 14 assists, three steals plus 20 plus 20 in a game that you go to overtime. When your guys on the court, you only sat seven minutes. Your team was blowing out, you know, one of the better teams in the East MVP written all over them. And yesterday I was talking about how Giannis kind of passed Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, Another opportunity, kind of like with the Lakers, you know, it's five minutes to go. You can change your season right now, and you don't. Two nights in a row. That's that's a big. That's, I mean, maybe it's more of a credit to Giannis and credit to Luka Doncic, but Kevin Durant is not so far this season what he used to be.
0: Was it? Uh, I mean, I was on the Mavericks. Uh, I did a money line parlay. I had the Mavericks and the Clippers. That turned out well. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we'll
2: talk. We'll, we'll get into that. Um, well, you got the tough part done. I mean, the Mavericks won, so surely the seven-point favorite. The seven no. got there. I mean, the seven-point
0: favorite that that ticked up when the when they announced that Paul George was playing. No. Yeah, exactly. That one should have been no. But the reason why I was anti-Nets here was not only did the Nets come off the 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 loss in Milwaukee to the Bucks the night before, but I just think this Nets team is a fade all season long. Because lines are going to be inflated in their in their favor just because of two players alone when I haven't seen this team. Maybe last night changed my opinion a
2: little bit, McKenzie, but I still think this is a fade team moving forward. Well, at home, I think at this point, we mathematically can't afford to bet them because 10 up, 35 down now, ATS, the Nets at home the last two years. Just incredible trend. All right, let's get into that Clippers loss to the Thunder. This was the, the the
0: prototypical great betting spot, right? You have two teams playing the second game in a row where, you know, they play two games to, against each other. Right. We once dubbed it, RJ dubbed it, the immediate revenge spot. Immediate revenge spot where the Clippers, and, and this is my favorite, when the favorite loses the first game, I love backing that favorite in the second game because you lost a game you should have won, and now you have to make up for it. That's not the case as the Clippers drop their second straight to the Thunder, 118-110,
2: in a game where Paul George did play. Look, history is on your side. You made a smart NBA play. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. I'm learning. Because, look, I made a very similar play a couple days ago, and I have it written up here so I don't have to to do the search. Nearly 200 games have been played in which a team loses to a game, loses to a team, and then plays that same team within two days and is the six or greater favorite. 60% Sixty percent ATS oh, plus ten, straight up margin plus five ATS margin. me this. they usually cover. But here's the thing: they, with the Clippers here, maybe they didn't feel that immediate revenge because Paul George didn't play because Kawhi Leonard is, you know, perusing magazines on the sideline. There's just, there's not that sense of urgency, that sense of they really beat us because they didn't beat us. They beat our B-ish team, our BC team. So that's why I thought. That's why I agreed with the the spot. That's why I laid off the Clippers here.
0: Well, the bet should have been on the Warriors instead of the Clippers because the Heat were also coming off of a a game that they played on Wednesday night, and the Warriors took care of business at home. How would you think they looked?
2: Steph Curry, MVP. uh, I said it before this season, he had great value at 12-1. to Andrew Wiggins has played pretty well. Draymond Green, not so much. Klay Thompson, not so much. Jordan Poole, maybe he's recovering from concussion-like symptoms. (laughs) He hasn't played well all year. Glad he got his money, you know. Before he's had this little bit of a cold spin, but it's all about Steph Curry. He was the man tonight,
0: and you were all over this one. We talked about it on SOVAM uh, yesterday morning. The Grizzlies uh, took care of the Kings. Uh, you, you mentioned the transition thing is going to be a yeah. big factor as to why the Grizzlies are going to have a very successful season.
2: Yeah, that's why I stayed away. But all the sharp money was on Sacramento at home. This line moved from five to two and a half, but it was not smart money. It was it was sharp money, but dumb money because the Grizzlies were significantly better. John Morant, we've talked about him a lot. Desmond Bain, the first time in his career, he's gone 30-plus back-to-back nights. He's the probably the favorite right now, in my opinion, for most improved player, which his running court made John Morant, won last year.
0: Let's get into a couple of games for tonight's schedule, McKenzie. The 76ers and Raptors, this is that back-to-back spot, right? Yep. So the, the Raptors um, won the game the other night. Now... Do we like the Sixers in the revenge spot, or I, I personally
2: just... do early now? The sixty percent trend I mentioned was for big favorites because uh-huh. more like ability to gear it up when they want to. So it's a little harder when you know the other teams, Raptors, might be just as good as you. But the but the Sixers in the first half is the play here. The margin is just incredible when you're in that media revenge spot. The first quarter in the first half margin, it just can't be coincidence after so many games. Mm. What if they lose? Does Doc Rivers get fired? That's the thing. That's the thing. Yes, if it's an all-in moment, but maybe it's an all-in moment for Doc Rivers and nobody else because they know they're going to be here for 82. Nobody, nobody else is worried about uh, changing jobs and uh, searching for employment except for Doc Rivers.
0: I want to ask you about a couple more games here for tonight's schedule. Why do I love the Knicks plus the points against the Bucks?
2: Am I just being a homer here, or is this a legit good bet? <sighs> That's funny. I was just texting Sleepy. I'm thinking of plaguing the Bucks. my okay. suggested pick for our quick NBA bet tank pod that we do. However, I haven't, I haven't fired yet. There's a lot of optimism on the Knicks. I just think power ratings-wise, I make this eight. Have the Knicks improved by two points at the beginning of the season? I mean, they're three and one- They've looked incredible. Jalen Brunson has been a great addition, but I just think the market, maybe New York New Yorkers especially, are a little overzealous on uh, the Knicks' left so far this season.
0: I'm still upset they didn't get Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would have been such a nice team, you know. He's Jay- from uh, Louisiana, or is he from New York? No, uh, he's from New York. His I think his dad worked for. I think his dad worked at uh, at Shea Stadium, and, and he was a Mets fan. I don't know why they
2: didn't try to trade for him. He's from
0: Connecticut or something? Where's Donovan Mitchell from?
2: Yeah, he's from Connecticut area, but he went to Mets games and all I was just kidding you. Oh, okay. You were you were you were joshing me there. Exactly. Because yeah. he's such a New York guy. But hey, he's in Cleveland. By the way, he's number one net rating team in the league is the Cleveland Cavaliers with the great Donovan Mitchell as their shooting guard. That's right. He was born
0: in New York. He grew up in uh Connecticut. And yeah, I think, yeah, didn't his dad work at uh work at City at uh, Shea Stadium in the Mets games or something like that? I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Donovan senior worked for the Mets for over 20 years. There you go. See, I know my NBA players. Well, good thing. The guardians are good. You can go to those baseball games in in relation to the, the, the basketball and teams. All right. One more game, McKenzie Uh, Lakers. zero four Timberwolves are eight point favorites.
2: Lakers. zero five. It looks like it. I mean, there's a 75% chance the market tells us. I don't know how the Lakers can keep up. The Timberwolves' number one offensive team after January last year. They're starting to look like they're getting uh, Rudy Gobert cohesive into the lineup. Timberwolves are a plus team or a, a up arrow team to me. I would stay away from this game because eight is a huge number, but I can't play the Lakers here. I just want to bet against the Lakers every game. Well, every if you've game. done that for uh, four years, I think you're 55%. So. <laughs> not, a, not a bad strategy. Not looking good for LeBron and Kel.
0: Couple games last night in the college football
1: world. It's one of those nights where, had I listened to Straight Out of Vegas AM yesterday, you would have made money. I would have made money because yeah. my handicap was pretty much spot on on all three of the games from last night. And I went home and went to sleep and didn't bet a single dollar on any of those three games. But North Carolina State survives 22 21. Winners over Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech was up 21 to 3 with two minutes to go yeah. in the third quarter. And I think we what I what I thought was going to be the case is the case without Devin Leary, North Carolina State's just a bad football team. Uh, so North Carolina State one-point winners, they survive over a, a worse football team in Virginia Tech. But this is certainly a team that I want nothing to do with going forward. Uh, Southern Miss. Kind of easy winners, 39-24 over Louisiana. Uh, not, really, not really much to say about it. Not, the game wasn't really in doubt. Uh, so just a, a nice, solid win for Southern Miss as a dog, winning, uh, winning outright by 15 points. The big surprise of the night in college football was in Utah. Well, I guess, excuse me, uh, in Pullman, Washington. Involving Utah. Involving Utah. Uh, but Cam Rising doesn't play in this game. There's no word before that mm-hmm. he wasn't going to be playing in this game. There was no internet rumors, but he doesn't play. And instead, they go with a former Eagle Scout walk-on quarterback in in Bryson Barnes. And this is a, like I said, this is a guy who's a walk-on. You're going from Cam Rising who was a potential yeah. Heisman candidate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to a walk-on there's a pretty massive drop off. He played admirably, 17, 27, 175 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and Utah, I guess most importantly, survived and got the win 21 yeah. to 17. But here's the question. And I know these college teams, they, they don't have to tell anyone when players aren't going to play. But with the legalization of sports betting, damn, they're everywhere. At some point, there's going to be insider information that's known. And that's why the NFL made injury reports what they are. Like, at some point, college football is going to have to do the same.
0: I think, yeah, there has to be some sort of mandate, which there isn't right now, on how these college football programs handle uh, the, the, the injury news. Because, yeah, this information was not anywhere about Cam Rising. And I was just as surprised as you were to see that he wasn't playing in this game. So I'm sure that there was people out there there that knew about this that took advantage of this that were able to get Washington State plus seven and a half and they cashed pretty comfortably because of it
1: yeah and again had I known I've been doing this last man standing and I was I was kicking myself and then Utah uh, got out to a nice lead and I was like okay maybe it was the best thing that could have happened to me it was 21-7 and I said you know what maybe I'm glad I didn't find out because had I heard that Cam Rising wasn't going to play I would have run run I'm not even cleared to run by my doctor, my <laughs> surgeon, but I would have run and, and put my my contest on Utah or on uh, Washington state plus seven and a half, but there was really no indication at all. So, I mean, congratulations. If you were one of the people who knew, uh, I certainly wasn't, I don't know who knew what I said on this game was the play all along was the under this were this was two defenses that have been rock solid and two offenses that even before i knew a a, you know a walk-on quarterback was playing for utah that have not been very explosive so uh it goes well under 38 points on and and this was a game that was was totaled in in the mid 50s 56 57 depending on when you got in but just a, a a grimy ugly game and uh congrats to the utes for surviving Without Cam Rising, and we'll see. We'll see when uh, we'll, we'll see when he's back. Because they said this was precautionary. I
0: don't know for sure. Well, if it's precautionary, then you don't need him at home against Arizona. Wouldn't that be? It seems like another time to just let him rest. Precautionary, yeah. Precautionary because they're going to be massive favorites over the Wildcats. So maybe he gets a couple of weeks off. Maybe they just want him to be a hundred percent ready for that game in Eugene against Oregon. Good that, time to have him ready. That is going to be for likely a trip to the Pac-12 championship game. They are in control of their own path, 4-1 and in the conference, Oregon 4-0. and As long as they handle business, their next two weeks uh, winning that game in Eugene will put them in the Pac-12 championship game because they're not going to lose to Colorado. Well, first, I, there are a few games tonight. Uh, I say a few instead of a couple
1: because there's one important game that is not getting a lot of attention but we should mention. The Columbia Lions taking on the Yale Bulldogs. McKenzie, I mean, as a a Yale yourself, is this a game that you get fired up for every year?
2: No, there's one Yale football game a year, and it's not Columbia. Oh, well, listen, Yale is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite, so
1: the beggars can't be choosers. I would be excited about this one, McKenzie. Hey, it's the 100th meeting all time. Did you know that? Okay, that's something. That's not nothing. Yale 75, 22, and 2. In the series, it's a nice stadium there at Columbia Place, the Ween Stadium. That's it's nice. called. Yeah, I think it's funny that it's called Wien. We're such Wiener. children. We're getting it. We are tonight. such children. Uh, <laughs> if, I, if I were forced to bet, though, I would be on Yale minus six and a half. Just so you know, McKinsey. Me too. Thank you. All awesome. <laughs> <right>. uh, Lu- <laughs> Louisiana Tech. I don't know why I couldn't say that. Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech taking on Florida
0: International. You like Brian Kelly there. <laughs> Florida International. <laughs> Bro, I'm so happy for my family. <laughs> ah, it's great to be here part of LSU.
1: Uh listen, this is a this is a matchup of two of the worst quarterbacks in the country or worst football teams in the country. And now Louisiana Tech may be without their starting quarterback. Uh he is the only life that they've got. If he's out of the lineup, which is, again, we don't know, uh, this is a, a weird situation. But th- these are two really, really bad teams. I suggest not watching this under any circumstance. It, I can't I can't even give a lean on this game because I don't know the, the status of McNeil. So I, it's a total look away for me. And then the last game, BYU. They are three-point favorites yeah. hosting East Carolina, and I don't get why you would want to have a BYU ticket in your pocket right they've now. They've
0: lost three straight games, and it's the
1: season's getting away from them. Their defense is absolutely abysmal, and they've gotten chewed up. I mean, Arkansas had their way with them, had their way. Like, K.J. Jefferson was like, uh, you know what, I'm not going to run this week. I'm just going to throw for 1 million yards and five touchdowns on you and that's what he did. They're allowing 5.8 yards per play. Uh that's 95th in FBS. They are one of the worst defenses and East Carolina is explosive. East Carolina is not great on defense either. So don't get me wrong, they they're not they're not a whole lot better, but Holton Aylers is having a fantastic season, 8.1 yards per attempt. Uh he's been fantastic. And I like East Carolina here. I think East Carolina gets the job done, takes it to the Cougars of
0: BYU. There's one thing that I will say that has me possibly leaning towards Utah in this, uh, excuse me, BYU in this spot. And I say Utah because BYU is located where? In Utah. Some people may not know that. In Provo, Utah. The weather's going to be, uh, how do we say it nicely? Well, where I'm from in New Jersey slash New York. We'd Just pick a state and would say, say We'd say it's brick outside. Brick? Brick. Okay. Anybody from the city knows what that means. I don't you know say what it's that brick. means. I mean, it's like it's cold, like the, when the wind hits your face. Oh, it doesn't get cold where cold. I come from. So, yeah, where well, you come <laughs> from. Well, Neither does it really in Greenville, South Carolina, where it's seventy-four degrees, seventy-three degrees every day now in the fall. Nice, partly cloudy. Let's look at the weather report for just today in Greenville, South Carolina. Oh, well, a little rain in the forecast maybe, but still, how about seventy-five degrees next Tuesday? Well, yeah, that's that's the weather in Greenville, South Carolina. It's gonna be brick. <laughs> in Provo, Utah tonight. I'm talking about 46 degrees. With a feel of 40 degrees. These kids are going to be freezing their asses off. That's true. I think BYU wins this game because the, the, the East Carolina players, for the first time all year, are going to be having their hands in the hand warmers. Hands in the mouths. Blowing in their hands. Trying to, you know. <laughs> it's cold. It's cold. It's corn. No, it's cold. (laughs) That's the advantage I think BYU
1: has in this game tonight. Well, here's what I will say, and that does make me not like Holton Aylers as much, but luckily Keaton Mitchell, who's been awesome for East Carolina as well, he's averaging about seven yards a carry. So uh, I I think either way, I just want to fade this BYU defense. Uh, We've seen seen him light up some better defenses in this. We saw him light up UCF. You know, your boys, UCF, yeah. you see he lit them up. So I am I, ex- I, I think this East Carolina team is is very solid offensively. I, and going up against a defense that's just dead in the water, I can't find a way to back BYU. All right, let's look ahead to some of the big games coming up this weekend. Uh, we've got Ohio State, noon game, Ohio State, minus 15 and a half at Penn State. It's a big number. Penn State, listen. I I lost last week saying all they got to do is score like ten points and oh, Iowa to hang with yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> Ohio State is a monster, and I, it's not something I'm looking to get in the way of. You have a thought on Ohio State, Penn State?
0: No. If this game was at night, if this game was a night game, I think I'd lean towards Penn State covering here at home. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be a, a chilly day in. Uh, In Happy Valley, I I just think that this is going to be one of those classic Big Ten football games that might be closer than than we think. So I wouldn't lay it with Ohio State, but I'm not comfortable betting on Penn State. Let's talk about Notre Dame
1: at the Qs, Syracuse, two-point favorites against the
0: Irish. A lot of money's come in this week on Notre Dame. A lot of money, and uh, it scares me because you would think that the money would be on the home underdog, or the home favorite, excuse me, in Syracuse, who's 6-1 and on the year, who just impressed the heck out of people by playing Clemson so tough last week. But yet, there's a belief that the Irish are going to go into the Carrier Dome and win this game. I'm not betting against Syracuse, and I'm not betting on Notre Dame. So the only way I would bet this game is to take the orange.
1: The world's largest outdoor cocktail
0: party. Can't call it that anymore. What do you call it now? I don't know. It's, you can't uh, call it that anymore. A bunch of rednecks getting drunk before a football game. can't call it the Red River Shootout anymore. It's the Red River Rivalry. I don't believe in that. You can't say the I can world's say what I want. largest outdoor cocktail party. Oh, but you can, call Amen, it,
1: you can call that new uh, named stadium in Syracuse the Carrier Dome. I can't call it the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I still call it the world's largest outdoor company. Okay, party. then
0: don't tell me what I can do. <laughs> it's the it's 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 at the Florida Georgia line. That's what we call it. Uh, well either way. <laughs> it, the, the odds makers don't
1: expect this year's party to be all that competitive. The dogs, twenty-two and a half point favorites. And remember, that's a neutral site game. Yeah. So no home field. This 22 and a half point favorites. Over
0: Florida, it might rain too, uh, and if there's rain in the, oh, I fl- hate when it rains at a cocktail party. I know our dress is going to be so messed up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think Georgia just runs all over them. To be honest with you, this is a this is a team. Now, are you concerned about Georgia looking ahead to Tennessee next week? I think you should be. I think absolutely you should be. And
1: and we'll get to another game later where we we'll talk. We'll talk about Tennessee. Both these teams playing traditional rivalry games. Mm-hmm. Leading up to their biggest game of the season, so I, I, I think that it's it's scary to play either one of them. Okay, uh, Wake Forest three and a half point favorites at Louisville. I feel like I'm the only person in the world who really believes that Wake Forest is good. Yeah, like Fez is like you can't play Wake. They're not good. All my guys say they're no good, and I'm like, oh, I don't believe. It. Like I don't I don't know what's not to like about. It. They've lost one game. It was in overtime to Clemson, mm-hmm. who's probably going to the college football playoff. Now, that doesn't mean they're one of the four best teams, but they're probably going to the playoff. They beat him in overtime. <laughs> like, what's bad? What's not to like about Wake Forest?
0: I, I don't get it. Maybe it's just a lot of love for Malik Cunningham, but that's about it. I, I, don't, I, I don't see it because I think Wake Forest is a much better team. I think Sam Hartman's a, a, a future NFL quarterback. And Sam Hartman's the best
1: quarterback in the ACC. You, you, you won't. You, whatever your argument is, it's wrong. I I don't yeah. care who you pick out of a hat. You're wrong. Uh, Sam Hartman is that dude. I I like Wake. Uh, it, this is a team that I'm just I've I've been on and I want to stay on. Kentucky at Tennessee. Tennessee
0: twelve point favorites. I think Tennessee rolls. This is they unveiled those black uniforms that they're wearing for this game. So I think this was a smart idea. And, and and hear me out. Next week's the Georgia game. We know that. We just talked about it. And it's easy to look ahead to that Georgia game when you got this little number three next to your name. Because now you're thinking national championship, right? And you're thinking all we got to do is beat Georgia and we're going to the SEC championship game and being undefeated in that SEC championship game. Because the rest of the season – Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. Maybe South Carolina is a hiccup. I don't know. But they should be undefeated going to the SEC championship game. And as long as you're undefeated in the SEC championship game, guess what? Win or lose, you're going to the college football playoff. Yeah. So it's easy to look ahead to that Georgia game next week. But Me- what they've done to prevent the look ahead is to make this game an event. Make this game something that... Gets all of your focus that 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 the 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 fans buy into, so they unveil these special black jerseys. They're making it a blackout at Nealon Stadium. There's going to be hundred plus thousand people in attendance, which there always is for the home games. But this game, this night game at Nealon, is going to feel special. It's going to feel different, and I think it's a genius job by the program to put the focus on this game to to avoid the look ahead to Georgia because I'm telling you the players get hyped they're college kids they're kids you show them black jerseys and black helmets they get hyped up <laughs> it's unreal it's listen how many go go on YouTube right now go on Twitter and just look at videos of a uniform unveiling in a college football meeting room it's like you present these kids with something they've never seen before, and all of a sudden, it's the coolest thing in the world. Why do you think Oregon got all these recruits 20 years ago? It's because Phil Knight came in and said, I'm going to pay you all this money. yeah, Start getting some Nike cool uniforms in here. Well, I, there's something about the the, the 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 uniforms, the blackout. This is just a genius job by the program, putting the focus on this game to avoid the look ahead. Michigan State, 23-point dogs at the big house. Give me Sparty. So this is this is the Super Bowl for Michigan State. Forget about a bowl game, which man, they could still get to one. But bowl games, national championships, they don't matter. Beating Michigan does. And you know what Mel Tucker and Michigan State have done recently? They've beaten Michigan. Yeah. That's probably the only reason why Mel Tucker you're still you're has right. a job. Yeah. Is because he's won two straight against Michigan. They've won 3 of the last 5 matchups. Jim Harbaugh, maybe there's something here about Tucker versus Harbaugh. I don't know, but I think 23 is too much for this rivalry. If you look at the the history of the last ever since Jim Harbaugh came in. So he came in in 2015. Every matchup has been close. The average margin of victory is 10, but that margin of victory is 10 because a couple of years ago Michigan won by 34 points. It was like 44-10, I think, the final was. So if you take that 34-point win out of there, the margins in these games, four points, three points, four points, nine points, four points, these are close games between these rivals. So 23 is just way too much. Ole Miss, one-and-a-half-point favorites
1: at A&M. This is a tough one to call because Ole Miss has a ton of injuries. A&M's program is in shambles. Yeah. They're suspending players for smoking weed before the game last week. I mean, it's a total disaster. Uh, Jimbo Fisher is in a really weird situation where it feels like his players are kind of turning against him. I don't know what's going on. in him. I can't back them right now, but Ole
0: Miss is just so banged up. It's hard to say you want them either. Jimbo Fisher's buyout, if he is fired at the end of this season, is $85.9 million. His buyout goes down if he's fired after next year, 76. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. It's a bargain. He, he signed a fully guaranteed 10-year, $95 million contract on September 1st, 2021. Yeah. And now everyone wants to get rid of him. Yeah. That might be that's worse than like oh, so great. that's it's, worse, that's worse than the Albert Pujols contract. That's tw- worse than the Arod contract. In twenty thirty it, he'll worse be running than the Giancarlo Stanton contract.
1: In twenty thirty he'll be running the exact same offense with no motion. Well, at and, least in twenty thirty <laughs> they can buy out for nine point nine five million. That's true. <laughs> uh, that's that does help. Only nine point five million. Uh last one we'll talk about. Pitt three point dogs at North Carolina. Hmm. Can I take the over? I, I think that's probably a safe bet. Uh, that was my best bet or my best total on the pod. Uh, this is just a, a, a pit a pit offense that I don't particularly like, but against North Carolina, they'll probably show something. Yeah,
0: I think North Carolina might be one of the more surprising teams this year. 6-1, and one, their only loss was to Notre Dame in a game where they should have won. So, uh, I mean, they got behind early, but I think that I mean, could, what would we be saying if North Carolina was undefeated right now? We'd still be saying they have a bad defense. Yeah, but, and we'd be looking at that Appalachian State game too. Yeah, but we'd have to be taking them seriously, I think. Yeah, so why not taking them seriously now? That's a good question. Finally, AJ, World Series Game 1 is tonight in Houston. The Astros, a minus 160 favorite over the Phillies. Justin Verlander on the hill for Houston. Aaron Nola goes for Philly. And I understand why Philly is a, a sexy bet, right? They've been an attractive bet this entire postseason. Heck, I've been on them pretty much in every game they've played this playoffs. I don't know if I can back them in this series. Uh, I'm in a playoff pool where, and I kind of made this decision for strategy game theory-wise, but also because I truly believe this is what's going to happen. I took the Astros in six because I do think the Astros have the edge here in this series. They're undefeated in the playoffs for a reason. They're a really good baseball team. I've heard a lot of national
1: media say the Phillies feel like a team of destiny. A lot of mojo. Yes. Hard to bet against the mojo. And that's exactly what they said about the Mariners when the Mariners made the playoffs for the first mm. time in a million years and they couldn't score a run in 18 innings off Astros pitching. I think that it's, I think there's a natural uh, field. Like people want to find a reason to say someone besides the Astros is going to win. Yeah. The truth is, the Astros are just the best team, and it's if you're betting against them, it's it's probably more with your heart mm-hmm. than it is with your head. Or I had I analytics had this, I had this debate.
0: I did. I had this debate. Did I? Because at first I liked the Phillies, and I was thinking, am I playing with my heart? And no, I'm not a Phillies fan, but it's been fun betting on the Phillies this postseason. They've won me a lot of money, and I'm singing the song like they are in the in in the locker room. I keep dancing on my own, baby. Uh, but I got to think with my head here, and I think the Astros have the edge in this series because after Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, I have concerns about the Phillies pitching, Um, you know, with Ranger Suarez. And then if they go to Syndergaard or Bailey Falter or however they want to decide to to play uh, game four, I, I look at this game one in particular, and I think the layoff is going to impact both teams. So I'm actually going to look towards the under in the first five innings. It's three and a half. It's actually juiced okay. juice to the under. But I think the layoff causes both teams to start out slow. We also know that Justin Verlander and Aaron Nola are high strikeout pitchers. And they don't walk a ton of guys, especially Aaron Nola. I brought this up every time Nola pitches, the historic season that he had with over 230 strikeouts and under 30 walks, whatever it was. I don't see there being a lot of base runners early on. Uh, The umpire for tonight's game is James Hoy, who is a pitcher-friendly umpire. He has a more uh, expansive strike zone. He's played to 52% to the under in his career, so take that for what it's worth. But here's the thing that I like uh, if I'm looking for the under, and specifically if I'm looking at the Astros. Houston Minute Maid Park plays power, like the power for Minute Maid Park is better for righties, right? You want to hit oh, the, for Craw- sure. the Crawford boxes. Yes, yeah, easy home runs there. And who are the two biggest home run threats on the Phillies? Yeah, Bryce Kyle, Harper, Schwarber, Kyle Schwarber. And yeah. Bryce Harper, who are lefties. Yeah. So keeping the ball away from the Crawford boxes is going to be a lot easier for Justin Verlander to do. Now, now I've now, seen Craig- Kyle Schwarber now, hit balls that would sure, go sure. out of any and, park and, ever. And <laughs> Harper as well. And, and Reese Hoskins is having an incredible yeah. postseason. So he's hitting a ton of home runs as well. But, you know, both of these teams are better uh, clearly against lefties than they are against righties, which is – it's it's funny to say that because you have two incredible lefties in Schwarber and in Harper, but they they mash lefties. So I, I think with Verlander on the hill, I, I like them to really start off slow, and then I think Nola's going to have some success early on as well. I do think the layoff affects both of these teams. Could it be a higher scoring game later on? Yeah. Uh, maybe it is, but I do think um, with the pitchers locked in, with uh, especially in the postseason, guys, we've seen an uptick in their velocities. They're just amped up for these games. I think we're going to get a low-scoring first couple of innings here before these teams settle in uh, and, and really get the— uh, jitters out. I so I'll take the under three and a half in the first five innings.
1: I can't see an argument against it. And one one thing I know is a lot of teams fool around a lot and pull pitchers early and things like that. It's not Dustin, happening with these two guys. Justin Verlander is going to pitch until he doesn't want to pitch. Like he's an old Dusty Baker's an old school dude. Justin Verlander is as old school as it comes. You're going to have to pry the ball out of his hand. So I like your uh, I like your first five under here.
0: Yeah, I would even look at maybe a strikeout prop on both of these pitchers. If I'm being honest, you know, you look at Verlander I think he's at six strikeouts. I think uh, Aaron Noah might be at five and a half. And so you, you just look at both of these pitchers that have high K rates and we could see some swings and misses early on, especially with an umpire, like I said, in Jim Hoy, who has an expanded strike zone. Uh, are you on Houston for the series? Now? I am on Houston
1: for the series. I think Houston in five. Houston in five. So yeah. they win it in Philly. I think they win it in Philly. Ooh, I don't think they win it in Philly. I do. I, I and I, You know what? I, I say five just because it sounds. If I say Houston and four, it just sounds like a they're not homer. sweeping.
0: They're not sweeping. Yeah, we'll see. I think Houston and six. They win it at home. Here's how I'm playing this out, okay? And let's we're get, we're gonna play this. Accordingly. You, would you, what would, you,
1: what, would you, what kind of odds would you've taken if I said the Astros would sweep the Yankees?
0: Yeah, that's true. Although I th- yeah, it could have happened. You're right. Um, I think Houston gets game one. Okay. Berliner takes game one against Nola. Phillies win game two. Framber Valdez on the hill. Phillies mash lefties. Zach Wheeler has been an absolute stud. I think Phillies take game two. This is a 1-1 series going back to Philadelphia. Okay? Game three, Phillies win. Oh, okay. The emotion of the city, It's it's a buzz. It's just everyone's excited. That's on Monday, Halloween. Okay? On Tuesday, Astros take game four. This is a 2-2 series going to game five. Astros win Game 5. Astros win at home in Game 6. Okay. And that's where I'm going. Houston in 6, celebrating at Minute Maid Park as the Astros fans erase the uh, depression of last year's loss to the Braves in the World Series. And I'll tell you what. Jeremy Pena. World Series MVP. I
1: am going to go Justin Verlander World Series MVP. I am going to say he wins Game One, wins Game Five. I am going to say combined, ooh, that's gives up,
0: good, gives up one earned run. That's good. Let's look at the odds. So Verlander, well, you know he's going to pitch Game One, and then so you say he'll pitch Game Five. Not going to pitch Game Four, so they won't do like a one four seven thing. I don't think so, unless okay. the, unless the Astros are somehow down three one, yeah, or to, or two one. No, but I don't see that. Okay, so Verlander three, right now is ten to one to win the MVP. Harper's the favorite at six to one. Jordan Alvarez is plus six fifty. Kyle Tucker, Justin Verlander are 10 to 1. Framber Valdez and Alec, Alex Bregman 12 to 1. Schwarber 13 to 1. But I like Jeremy Pena 17 to one to win the World Series. What was MVP? the number on Verlander? 10 to 1. 10 to 1. Okay. It's not great for a guy who, I mean,
1: is only going to play in two games. Exactly. He'd have to be dominant. I think he dominates, though. Yeah,
0: I'm going to stick with it. I'll I'll stick with Verlander. Yeah. All right. You got Verlander. I have Jeremy Pena, but we both have the Astros winning this series, no doubt. Game one tonight in Houston. Justin Verlander against Aaron Nola. The Astros minus one sixty, and the total is six and a half, juiced to the over. But the first five total is three and a half, juiced to the under. That's where I'm going for tonight's game. All right, we're going to take a look at a couple of the NFL games. If you want the deep dive, you can go to R.J.
1: Bell's Dream Preview, uh, that feed. The co- we we do the, uh, the the deep dive pod every Wednesday. It's out Thursday morning. You can find it there, and uh, we go in-depth on every game. But we wanted to run through a few games for you here. Let's start
0: with the London game. Get your thoughts on Jacksonville, right. two-and-a-half-point
1: favorites right. against
0: the Broncos. Broncos country. That's right. How corny is Russell Wilson? I mean, this dude doing high knees and and calisthenics in the aisles of the plane during a a six-hour flight or or so while his team or eight-hour, however long the flight is, while these guys are trying to sleep. And then he's, like, talking to the media, and he's like, well, for the first two hours, I watched film because, you know, I got to watch film. And then uh, I stretched and then did some high knees, and then I watched another hour of film. Like, Like, dude, shut up.
1: Here's, I'd be so pissed if the dude next to me on the plane was doing high knees. I was like, dude, I'm trying to sleep. We're flying across the Atlantic Ocean. Get, let me rest. Here's
0: the reality this team sucks. <laughs> They've lost four straight games to the Colts, the Jets. All right, the Chargers lost, whatever. But I mean, this, this team is just falling apart, and Russell Wilson's terrible. Their coach has no idea what he's doing. That being said, their defense is elite. Their defense is incredible, and I, 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 I'm, I, th- I feel like I lead the anti-Jaguars bandwagon because I don't understand the love for the Jaguars. I really don't get it. These are two two and five teams, and the way that people are talking about this game, you'd think it's a seven and one team playing against the Broncos, because that's how. Hey, Jaguars, are, Jaguars are great. Trevor Lawrence is the second coming. Jaguars are playing a home game in London. I I I just don't see it. I really don't. Um, total is really low because both of these teams stink. I think the Broncos' defense makes the the important play to win this game. Feels that way
1: to me too. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is uh, he had a couple games early in the season where it was like, ooh, this is what we were talking about with Trevor Lawrence. Since then, he's just been bad, and it, it, he's not developing. I I Now we're putting up him up against one of the two or three best defenses in the league. Mm-hmm. No thanks. Yeah, I, I so want nothing I, I would, to do with the I Jags. Would,
0: yeah, I would take it maybe with the Broncos. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, I heard a, a comment from uh, Chris Andrews over at the South Point uh, who did a radio hit about a week or so ago. And he was saying from a bookmaker's perspective, it's interesting, when you see a three and a half, usually that is a, a red flag to lay the points. And when you see a two-and-a-half, it's usually a red flag to take the points. Spread in this game is two-and-a-half. I'm going to take it with the Broncos. Okay. Uh, San Francisco
1: 49ers minus one-and-a-half at the Rams. Kyle Shanahan has just owned Sean McVay.
0: Yeah. Uh, this was one of the picks I talked about on the Dream Preview podcast. And it's just for, for that reason. Uh, Shanahan is 9-3 and three ATS in his career against McVay. Jimmy G against the Rams. Is seven and one both straight up and against the spread. And in the regular season, Jimmy G seven and oh straight up, six and one ATS against the Rams. And the time to pick on McVay and the Rams is usually after the bye. They don't do well on extended rest. McVay and Stafford combined together 0-2 ATS off a bye that includes the playoffs. And I think Christian McCaffrey is going to have a much bigger role in this offense now that he's had a week or so with the team. I think the 49ers win this game. The G-man Men three at the Seahawks. You know where I'm going. I know where you're going. Giants country. That's right. <laughs> That's
2: right. right. <laughs> <Okay>. Oh, boy. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, I think the Giants are, are, are a really good football team and that no one is taking seriously. This is. It's not just a fluke anymore. This is a good team. And I said it on the DreamPod this past week, and it was something that I, I haven't really brought up before, but now I'm starting to really think that there is a lot of credence to it. The coaching. It's not just Brian Dable. It's Wink Martindale coaching that defense. I mean, look at the difference in what we've seen from the Ravens this year, right? From what the Ravens have been in the past. What's the missing piece in that Ravens defense? The coordinator change. Wink Martindale has done wonders with this Giants defense. And Mike Kafka coming over from the Kansas City Chiefs has really brought some interesting um, play dynamics to this Giants offense. So the Giants offense has this combination of Brian Dable's influence and Mike Kafka and, and I guess Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy influence from the Chiefs. This is a really good Giants football team that if they win this game and improve to seven and one, really, Really, if they haven't already, which I think they have, but after being seven and one, they need to get everyone's respect. I agreed
1: with you last week against the Jags because I did not buy into the Jags as a respectable team. This week, I think I lean the other side. I, I The Seahawks, I think, are also very good and very yeah. underrated. Uh, and they are running the ball really well, particularly since Rashad Penny went down, if you can believe it. But Kenneth Walker is a freak. He's he's run – Probably going to be Offensive Rookie of the Year now that Brees Hall's out. He is so friggin' fast. Yeah. He's like a 4-3-9 guy. I th- uh, the NFL next-gen stats have him running the fastest this year, uh, even faster than Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. And the Giants against the run have been dead. Last three games, they're averaging nearly seven yards per carry allowed. Mm-hmm on the ground and the run offense. You and I looked at some film about how the giants have been running. Yeah. Losing Evan Neal. That's yeah. That's losing Daniel Bellinger. Mm-hmm. These are big losses. Uh, so I, I lean to the Seahawks here. Last game. We'll look at the Sunday night football game. Green Bay, 11 point dogs, Aaron Rodgers an 11 point dog at the Buffalo bills. Good luck. If you want
0: to try to catch that knife. Uh, I think the bills blow them out. I think this. I think Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are deader, and that's not even a word, deader than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. I and, think you might be and, right. And, and and what Thursday night's game should have shown you is that you can't just back a team because oh they're due and they're desperate. No, the Bucks were due and desperate, they still look terrible. Packers are due and desperate, they'll still look terrible yeah in uh, Buffalo, listen,
1: they've been the exception to the rule. All these big favorites losing outright. The bills have been the team that they okay, they're gonna they're gonna win by thirteen and a half, fourteen yeah. whatever they do it. Uh, what they did to Pittsburgh, it, it should be it's a crime in fourteen states. <laughs> it, it, like this is this team, there's no Alan Lazard uh, like this is a Aaron Rodgers talking about some maybe some guys you get well, now the one guy you can trust isn't gonna be playing. The defense is bad. This Bills team
0: is just—it's too much right now. I, I think the Bills boat race the Packers. Well, six games on the NHL schedule for tonight and last night. AJ two and zero with the ice picks. Ice, Dude, you're ice, killing baby. It. You're killing it. Yeah, twenty and five now on the season, and we may to, have to give out a. Uh, the, we may have to repeat that uh, that code again. Yeah, ice, ice. I think people. I got some good response to your "ice ice baby" lyric usage on yesterday's yeah. show. Yeah, people uh, like that. Good, they should have. There was a strong. There was a, a strong portion of the population though that didn't understand your references. Oh well, those are children. They might be too young. Yes, uh, <laughs> or elderly. I don't know. <laughs> or too old. Uh, but yeah, we hit the uh, over in San Jose and Toronto. Uh, the Sharks actually won 4-3 in overtime as heavy underdogs, uh, took the over 6.5 there, and then played Dallas uh, and as a small favorite at home against Washington. They won 2-0. Jake Ottinger, by all metrics, the best goaltender. In the NHL right now, Uh, he is just absolutely having a tremendous season. So let's take a look at the schedule here for tonight. The Golden Knights are heavy favorites at home against the Ducks. Vegas minus 278 with a total of six. Islanders visit the Hurricanes. Carolina minus 190 with a total of six. The Bruins, who won last night. They're off to a 7-1 and one start on the season, but playing the second night of a back-to-back, they're in Columbus, Boston, minus 160, total of 6.5. This is an interesting game. Devils at home against the Avalanche, Colorado, minus 140, total of 6.5. The Devils have been the, one of the most, if not the most surprising team to start the early season. Yes, they're 4-3. and three, but by all metrics, this is one of the best teams in hockey. They're generating shots on goal, not just shots on goal, guys. Shots on goal that are unblocked, which are that's the best way to lead to goals, right? You, know, you can take Seems shots like and a good the way. Defense can get in front of you, and the, and the shots don't reach the net. But when you're when the we, puck's on net, right? That's the name of the game. Pucks on net. Pucks on net. The Devils are getting pucks on net, so might take a look at the Devils as an underdog, have to look at the goaltending matchups and see what we like here for this game. Uh, Two more games, Penguins are at the Canucks, Pittsburgh minus 160, total of 6.5, and and the Jets visit the Coyotes, Winnipeg minus 170, total of 6.5, and they play their home games this year at Mullet Arena. It's not just a a cool name, right, because it's, uh, you know, mullet. But mullet arena is part of the Arizona State University campus. That's where the college team plays, and it's a temporary venue for the Coyotes because they're trying to get an arena uh, taken care of. It seats 5,000 people. This is a <laughs> this is a this is like going to a Henderson Silver Knights game. actually yeah. I'm telling you right now the Dollar Loan Center here in Henderson is nicer <laughs> than where the Arizona Coyotes an NHL team plays their home games. It is ridiculous that they have an a, a professional franchise playing in an arena like this. This is their home opener, so they haven't played a game at home yet. They've been on the road the entire season, so the locker room for visitors is just a curtained-off area (laughs) inside the arena. It is such a joke. Why? Just put this team up in Canada. There's Oh, goodness. The Coyotes are building what they call the Annex, a two-story, 15,000-square-foot building attached to Mullet Arena, and will feature all the amenities required for an NHL team, including home and visiting dressing rooms, medical facilities, coaching offices, and more. The annex won't be completed until December 9th, when the Coyotes host the Boston Bruins, after a 14-game road trip from November 5th through December 7th. They are using the current visitor's dressing room, as their main room for the first four games. So these are just for the first four games of uh, them being in this mullet arena. The opponents, the Jets tonight, and then the Rangers, the Panthers, and the Stars will all use that makeshift dressing room created for them, uh, which is basically just a curtained-off area of this arena. I'm reading from NHL.com now. This is hilarious. This <laughs> is such a joke how do we make money off this they bet against them they suck <laughs> but it's, it's like there's no uh, actually Maybe there is going to be a home ice advantage. How loud can 5,000 people be compared to like a 15,000-seat arena? Uh, bottom line, there's not going to be any home advantage. A home advantage might just be because the, the, there's no locker room for the visitors. So uh, teams are going to have a a hard time. They get uh, dressed in a hotel or something? something yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Winnipeg minus 170, total 6.5. Uh, yeah, this is going to feel uh, like watching a minor league hockey game. Will that be a pick of mine tonight? We, we'll we'll see. Uh, but if you want my hockey picks, here's what you got to do, AJ. You got to go to pregame.com and sign up for my NHL season-long package. Not only do we have an early bird discount available on pregame.com for my season-long NHL package, which I'm 20-5 and five to start the year with my NHL picks, 2-0 last night. We're going to give you $50 off. How, how, Scott, how? Use the promo code ICE ICE. If you use that promo code, you will get $50 off my NHL season long package at pregame.com. Again, the promo code is ICE ICE, not baby. No. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so stop, collaborate, and listen and get yourself an NHL season long package. ICE ICE is the promo, gets you $50 off. 20-5 and five to start the year, looking to keep this thing rolling. I'll have plays pretty much every single day, and uh, we'll just keep rolling here, rocking and rolling. McKenzie is rocking and rolling with his NBA season-long package. How's the early start of the season going for you, McKenzie?
2: 64%. Let's keep it going.
0: That's awesome. That's better than you were last year, right? Yeah. So you're on a good trajectory. Uh, AJ, uh, when's the next uh, UFC card? Uh, there's one this weekend, in fact. Ooh. You like you like some fights. I yet? like some fights. It's okay. listen.
1: It's it, not it, a sexy
0: card. It's is for it the at ha- apex.
1: It's for, yeah. It's at the apex. Okay. For the hardcores only. This Ooh. is an ugly, ugly fight card. I'll only watch this if you have a financial interest in it.
0: Mm, which I know you will. I will. <laughs> so you can get that at pregame.com. Plus, you can jump on board with any of the football packages as well. Again, go to pregame.com. Check out everything available there. Uh, if you want more of an NFL deep dive, RJ Bell's Dream Preview podcast is available on the Dream Pod feed as well as the College Football Podcast. I will tweet out the updated college football contest picks once A.J. and I submit them after we review all the changes to the line movements from the contest lines to where we are here uh, coming up on, uh, I guess, tomorrow morning by the before we get to kickoff. So be on the lookout on my Twitter page, at scottsonair, or at A.J. is the real. For Mackenzie Rivers and A.J. Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. Have a great Friday. Have a great weekend straight out of Vegas, A.M.